Hey everyone, welcome to the Pete Show. This is going to be the Summer Pete Show. I got to tell you, I have gotten a little bit of an itch for the podcasting. Again, the little podcast itch sometimes comes back for me. And I'll tell you what, um, my previous shows, I had a long running show, I mean maybe long for me, over the course of COVID that was called Extreming Disney, which was all focused on the Disney Plus streaming service over the time of COVID. And then it was honestly, it was a lot, really was because that thing developed because of well, you know, my my job kind of slowed down. My my actual work as a as a campus minister. And so I was like, "Hey, I kind of want to like pour myself into a passion project." And I said, "What a perfect time for me to kind of get into podcasting finally." And so with that came Extreme Disney. And then uh, as things kind of slowed down a little bit more and COVID slowed down a bunch and movie theaters opened again, I was like, hey, well, now I'm going to try to get, you know, more into what's going on and on a broader scale, you know, what's going on in entertainment and in movies, not just on streaming with Disney, but in local theaters and things along those lines and other streaming platforms and, and television and all these things. And what also ended up happening is my work picked up and then it just became harder and harder to podcast. And I was like, okay, well, the passion project needs to go on the sideline for right now. Well, as it is coming closer to summer and you know, things have slowed down with my work kind of again. I thought, hey, you know, it would be fun to pick this up really in just a, I don't know, an enjoyable level, you know, where it doesn't feel like work, but I can just sit here and talk about movies and my thoughts about, you know, current movies and whatnot. And how perfect is it that it takes place over the summer? Also, just because it's the the biggest movie blockbuster season within the year anyway. It's really the perfect time to sit back, relax, watch movies, catch up on things. And it's really like as a lot of you are out of school as well. I mean, if you are in college or you're in in high school or whatever, it's kind of the time. Or if you have kids, you know, and and you're on vacations and and you're going to be going to the movies more and stuff. So I thought it would just be a, a great time to restart something like this. And so that's why it's a new iteration of the Pete Show. It's the Summer Pete Show. And I'm excited to do this once again. So I will be covering new movies that have just come out in theaters. And I will be covering some actually still major streaming shows. I mean, uh, the, the new Secret Invasion show from the MCU, as that comes out on the weekly, I will probably review that once that starts up. And I honestly, am, I'm looking to have maybe smaller episodes more often over the summer. So I, I hope that works for you guys and that it gets you excited. And I'm just, I'm just wanting to cover different aspects of entertainment. Maybe not so much of the entertainment news, but I want to look at what has come out. Uh, on a weekly basis, you know, what's what's the big movie in theaters? And then also, you know, as as some of us too, I find myself right now trying to catch up on movies from earlier this year, from back in January, February, March. And, and luckily for those movies, 
they are just coming out to be rentable. You know, whether it's at Redbox or it's on Amazon Prime or it's going exclusively to some streaming platforms. So I think some of us, you know, if you're like me, are catching up on these things. And what I kind of want to do primarily with this first episode as this comes out is review some movies that I've caught up on. You know, maybe you're sitting, you know, at Amazon Prime or you're looking at your red box and you're going, what do we rent? What is worth checking out? Uh, and so I'm kind of, you want to sit here as your, as your official review guide person who might be able to uh, steer you in some right directions that might be helpful to you and your, your family and just give you my general thoughts on what worked, what didn't work for me, uh, just moving forward. So the the Tuesday show, I'm thinking, is going to be focused on on a few different things, looking, projecting forward, looking at what's ahead, having a bit more of a conversation, in a sense, of, around specific topics. Like maybe I'm going to talk about, you know, before the Fast 10 movie comes out, in a few weeks, I'm going to talk about the franchise and and look back at those those movies and and talk about you know what I felt like has worked and and what hasn't worked and just the, the legacy of nine films that have come out you know since the early 2000s to now. So I'll be talking maybe about that and just having a conversation. Maybe I'll have some guests come on. I want to look back at some movie anniversaries and reflect back on that. You know, and and then on Saturdays, I want to review a movie that has just come out in theaters or something big that's on my mind, and so I'm I'm excited about what's going to happen here, and I want to be able to just give you my thoughts. I mean, obviously, you don't have to agree with me. You know, I I really enjoy when people have uh, opinions. You know, just kind of opposed to my own when it comes to movies and. And really asking the question of like, hey, why did that work for you? So you don't actually have to agree with me all the time. So I, I understand that if you're listening to this, you're really just wanting to know what my opinion is. And so I value that and I, I thank you for that. So uh, this is being a Tuesday episode. What I want to do actually, kind of maybe at the beginning of the month, is look back at movies that have come out earlier this year that are now rentable that you could get at the red box that you could get on Amazon prime that is now like dropping on whether it's like HBO max or, or Paramount plus or something along those lines. So today I want to do that. I actually, I'll tell you the movies that I'm going to review today for you. So I'm going to actually cover six movies and I want to make it quick and I want to let you know like, okay, well if, if you like this and this is the movie for you um, and just give you my overall thoughts on it without a whole lot of spoilers um, for each of them. So the movies I want to cover today are going to be Megan, Plane, 84 Brady, Ant-Man Quantum or Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, Cocaine Bear, Jesus Revolution, and Scream 6. I know, that's going to, maybe it feels like a lot, but I want to give you just quick thoughts on what worked for each of these movies in this episode, and then we're going to have a little bit of fun looking back at the past and 
what it, what is the anniversaries that we're celebrating this week in film? I also let me just say this too. It's my hope that within these conversations that I'm saying I'm gonna have, I actually want to pull in some guests. Still, I want to bring in some of my movie loving fans who are from my area in upstate New York and um, be a part of these conversations and and reviewing and looking backs and even just asking the simple question of what are you watching or what have you watched lately that has really stood out to you, whether in television and streaming or movies that maybe you know you're kind of catching up on or what has really gotten your attention so that's what we're going to do today uh so we'll go into the first movie that we're going to cover right now which came out very early in the year kind of the first film out of the gate as we crossed into 2023 megan hey guys just before we really get started with my review of megan i needed to say this i decided that I was not going to review the movie Scream 6 yet, and then I'm going to hold off actually for a little while. I know that is on Paramount+, Plus, but um, not everybody has it, and the price for Scream 6 just to rent regularly is is still pretty high. So I just I know that for some people, they're not going to be able to watch it quite yet. So I just am going to hold off on that. And anyway, my count was off too with Scream 6. It would have been seven movies rather than six. So I'm just going to still review the movies that I mentioned before minus Scream 6. Okay, here we go. So Megan, this is from Blumhouse Studios, which is known for doing um, horror movies. It's, it's their, it's their big thing, you know, Jason Blum. And it is directed by Gerald Johnston, and it's rated PG-13, starring Allison Williams, Violent McGraw, and some other guest stars within there as well. So <clears throat> this is for those of you who maybe lean towards the horror or thriller genre. Megan is a it's, – it's a movie that – you could almost say like it's a it's about AI, obviously, if you've seen the trailer, but also it has very big like Chucky vibes, you know, with with this toy, this this thing that's um, supposed to be your best friend as a child. But it's it's definitely a, a scary movie. And and if you're like my wife and, and you don't really love AI movies because robots scare you. Um, then this might not be for you. But though it is technically a horror movie, hear me out on this. It is rated PG-13. So it is very, very tame. There is There are jump scares here and there, but nothing that is going to, like... And it'll haunt you for the rest of the night, you know, or keep you up at night and you're, uh, you know, when you're trying to go to sleep, at least for me. And I don't see that happening for a whole lot of people. I feel like this would actually be a fairly safe movie to introduce to maybe, you know, younger teenagers who are interested in kind of being scared. You know, it's, it's not rated R, so there's, there's not a whole lot of language or sex or nudity or gore within this movie. A lot of the, the kills that happen within this movie happen off screen. So I, I just think this is actually a pretty good movie to introduce to somebody who's, you know, interested in going into this genre of just watching. Maybe, you know, a young kid is like, ooh, we get to watch a scary movie. That could work, you know. Um, so 
it's it, this is actually a really effective movie. I got I, I maybe I buried the lead here. I really enjoyed this film. Megan really worked for me. It was surprising. It was entertaining. It was refreshing. And I think what works with it is not only the performances and the fun direction that comes from Gerald Johnston, who really hasn't done anything that I really know of that I've ever seen before. He's done some television shows here and there. He had a, another movie, a horror movie that came out in 2014 called like Homestead or something like that. I've n- I never saw it, but I was I was really impressed. I, I like this movie. And, and what really works for movies like this is it's commentary. It's, what is it saying about society? What is it saying about culture and um, just the way that we live, you know, and, and the things that we find to be important. I think that that often is what makes the best horror film, you know, or the scary movies. I think the scary movies and animation and sci-fi, they are the ones that can have the most effective commentary on things that are going on in the world. And so what works with Megan in regards to that has really to do about coping mechanisms, and how we can use, you know, social media and devices and phones and iPads as a way to cope and not deal with trauma. Um, and then there's also the aspect of addiction in regards to those things with our devices and whatnot, which is a very, you know, a, a topic that are being talked about a lot lately, you know. So it really works. And I, so I think even like in a weird way, you could talk to your kids after watching this movie about that topic of phone addictions honestly like I think it would really work and the scary elements not the scariest but it's just kind of a fun movie um the the performers within the film the leads also I gotta say they really worked for me you know the the three leads which would include Allison Williams character who I'll just call her the aunt um violent uh, violet McGraw who played Kat, uh, Katie um this young girl she's you know um maybe 10 11 years old and then also the character of Megan, who is this robotic girl uh, AI who just got invented. Um, all three of the performances made me actually believe and care for each of these characters singularly. Allison Williams, who plays the aunt, um, she's probably best known from the movie Get Out, which came out, oh man, um, at this point, over 10 no, no, not no. I'm sorry, sorry. Over five years ago, which is crazy for, to think about. Um, she played the girlfriend of Daniel Kahula's character, uh, who is brought to go visit her family. Uh, so that she really has a starring role here, having worked with Blumhouse before. And then um, Violet McGraw, who plays Katie. She was previously in movies like. Dr. Sleep and Black Widow, where she played young Yelena, or um, she's probably best known from the show on Netflix, Haunting of Hill House. So with like Dr. Sleep and Haunting of Hill House, she's also a young actress who, you know, can really enter into the scary world as well. But, you know, for her playing this character who is, you know, dealing with a trauma of loss of her parents and then having to be thrust onto her aunt. And I think Allison Williams really plays this role too of just kind of being, you know, I don't know, underwater in a sense of having to now take care of this young girl and how do I take care of her after the death of my sister? And so 
their performances really help make this movie actually work. If it wasn't for these performances and they were just subpar or you didn't believe them or you didn't understand where they're coming from, this movie would definitely fall by the wayside. And then especially the character of Megan, um, the, she's creepy, but there's parts where I feel like the way that they handled things with her, I, I kind of cared for her in a weird way. So with that, it, I think, being sympathetic for a villain or the scary element within the movie really works. So this, this really worked for me and I would recommend this. This is a hard recommendation for me. I was really surprised as of right now, when I go to my letterbox, this is the top movie that I have seen so far as I am recording this. So it's a, it's a good recommendation. Check it out. It'll be a fun movie to watch. Not the scariest thing that you can see, but a safe movie to um, bring in maybe elements of scary films for younger audiences, I feel like, when they have reached the area or the age of like 12, 13, and you want to start introducing them on um, these kinds of things, maybe along the same level of like um, Poltergeist when that first came out. So, Okay. Um, that's my review of Megan. I hope you enjoyed that. And now we'll get on to the next movie. Also, I want to say this about Megan. Um, where you can you watch it? So first of all, if you have a Peacock Premium subscription, you can watch it free um, there. For So you could just stream it online. Also, it is rentable from Amazon and other Rent, you know, renting streaming like things. So you can rent it on Amazon for $6 as well as Apple TV and Vudu and Redbox, kind of um, their streaming option. I don't really ever use that. Whenever I use Redbox, it's usually when I go to the kiosk and I rent it when I go to the local grocery store, you know. So that's how I rented Megan as, you know, it's, it is out there and you can probably find it at your local Redbox right now for, you know, two or three bucks, however much a rental is at the moment. So yeah, that's where you can watch Megan. Next, I want to talk to you guys about the movie Plane. Plane came out earlier this year, January 13th, and it's rated R, directed by Jean-Francis Richet. Um, what he is best known for as a director, just looking his IMDb of what I saw was the remake of Assault on Precinct 13, which came out in 2005. Um, so even on just like that, you know, on that credit alone, like you're, you know that this is going to be a pretty big action, um, well, film. I don't, you know, I shouldn't have said big. Honestly, it's it's pretty small in scale in comparison to other things, especially what we're going to get later on this year with with Mission Impossible, you know, Dead Reckoning Part 1, or Guardians of the Galaxy, or The Flash, you know, some of the superhero fare that we're going to get um, later on this, this year. But, you know, this is a pretty straightforward B-level action movie, you know, and as far as B-level action stars go, Gerald Butler is, is the man. I mean, he's the guy that you, you know, you expect to see now, like with everything that he does, he comes out with like a couple of these movies every single year and he does a good job. He's our, he's our like next, um, well, um, no, um, Liam Neeson. He's like our next Liam Neeson. Well, anyway, let me tell you the plot of the movie. It's pretty straightforward. 
Um, Gerald Butler plays a pilot who finds himself caught in a war zone after he's forced to land his commercial aircraft during a terrible storm. And so he lands right in the middle of like a militia that is wanting to, you know, take everybody who is on the plane as hostages. And so he's he's absolutely the lead, but he's also stars with Mike Coulter. Now, if you know, if you know who Mike Coulter is, he's best known for Marvel's Luke Cage that was on Netflix a while ago. And I found, for me, that he was actually the most compelling part of this movie. I mean, as far as just, like, again, B-level action movies go. Nothing's going to be astounding that comes out of this movie for Mike Coulter, which will take him to the next level of action star. But for me, I thought he was, you know, the best part. And and I will also say there is some pretty great action um fair in this movie. You know, a lot of guns blazons, um, assault rifles shooting, you know, some snipering. Like, there was some action stuff that was happening this, within this movie that really is, which is really good, you know. Um, it's, there is some funny things, though, as far as, like, the production budget goes with this movie, um, where it, it seems like for the plane sequences of of them trying to fly in the middle of the storm and some other, uh, you know, and trying to land, that they spent a lot of their budget, you know, at least, at least as a visual effects part on on these areas of the movie. And that's fine, but there's, like, moments where, like... I felt like money could have been used. Um, not to try to like spoil any massive thing, and I'm not. I'm not really. There's there's a point where they get some backup help, and people have to parachute in, and but we never actually see them parachute in. They're just like there, and for me, I think that it's just kind of interesting. Like you gotta. You got to like show us, don't tell us what happened. That's kind of what the point of filmmaking is, show don't tell. So, I think, you know, this movie did struggle with some of the budgetary restraints around the the movie in general. But and the movie really just like there there's not a lot of like you know, set placing within this movie. You just kind of like the the movie starts and bam, you know, Gerald Butler is walking through the, you know, the airplane front door to fly his plane, you know, so it's just like, oh, okay, here we go, this is it, this is, you know, there's there's not a whole lot of, like, it brings into, like, some emotional drama for him back home, and, like, you know, things with his family, obviously, you know, as you do with these types of movies, as we have to root for um, Gerald Butler, but, yeah, I mean, I, I gave this three out of five stars myself, you know, um, it wasn't the worst, you know, it's, it's better than a lot of those straight to DVD at Redbox kiosk movies that you would find, um, but it's not anything to really write home about. Um, if you are interested in seeing this, is if this is the type of movie that you would want to see, again, note that this is rated R. It's rated R for violence and language. There is some blood. There's some, you know, warfare kind of things happening. Um, so there's that's one thing to know. Um, and the language is, is there as well. So keep that in mind. If you are interested in watching it, you are able to rent it on streaming with like Amazon, Apple, Vudu, all those places for $6, or you can go the route that I went with and rent it for $2 at Redbox. But that is my review of the movie Plane.
All right, let's talk about 84 Brady. 84 Brady. This movie came out back in February 3rd of this year. It has a PG-13 rating, and the synopsis is, A quartet of elderly best friends decide to live life to the fullest by taking a wild trip to the Super Bowl in 2017 to see their hero, Tom Brady, play. It's directed by Kyle Marvin, which is his first theatrical film directorial debut i guess he's done a little bit of television but this is you know a big step for him i guess i don't really know anything of him and this movie stars the acting talents of lily tomlin jane fonda sally field rita marino and of course tom brady makes a cameo within the movie and if you didn't know any of those names that i mentioned before you know lily tomlin jane fonda um just ask your mom or if you are a gen zer ask your grandma because they'll be able to tell you who these ladies are um if you're if you are looking to watch this movie it really is you're getting what you what you paid for you know this movie is not a misdirect in any way you know there's these um actresses are having kind of a a resurge of such, especially Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda with the success of their show. Oh gosh, what is it? Um, <laughs> oh my gosh, my wife watches it all the time. Uh, the two best friends and their ex-husbands are, are now gay. I, I forget what it is, but it's on Netflix. Um, or, you know, you know, eight to five or, or no, nine to five or, you know, the, these, these girls have been working together for a long, long time. So it really is just more of the same, you know, similar to the book club movies as, as they have gotten pretty big as well. And it just really is exactly what you think this movie's going to be. You know, these, these four ladies who all have their distinct little storylines and roles that they play, you know, Sally Field is the smart one. Lily Tomlin is, is the ambitious one who really wants to go to the Super Bowl and has kind of started this love for Tom Brady and, and, um, Jane Fonda is kind of the Blanche of the group in a sense, you know, and it has like plenty of cameos within the movie as well. Obviously Tom Brady and other, uh, football players from that time. And, um, who else? Billy Porter is in it and Guy Fieri is in it. He has a pretty good cameo, um, playing himself within the movie. Um, I mean, this movie was fine. It was fine. You know, I, it's not really for me. I, I feel like this is a movie that you could rent from Redbox and watch with your mom or grandma. Um, that's really kind of it. And maybe the grandpas would be into it if they're football fans, but it's it's very niche. This movie is very niche to who it's marketed for. And I mean, I feel like it's also pretty, um, what's the word? I don't know. It's just it, it's very Patriots heavy, which I'll tell you one thing that's odd. None of these ladies, having come from the Massachusetts area, none of them have a a Boston accent at all. And I feel like that was a missed opportunity. Like the, all these ladies are from there. Like if they had just one, like there's it's all about the Patriots, Massachusetts, you know, and them traveling to Houston to watch the Super Bowl. But there's there's only apart from a couple characters who are like sports analysts, podcaster people, you know, there's, there's no Bostonians at all in this movie or actors who are playing the role. Um, and I guess this is based on a true story, but 
I just, it's, this movie is really not for me. It's fine. And if you wanted to watch a safe movie with your grandparents or your mom, this would be a, a safe film. But I, I could also tell you that there's not going to be anybody really under the age of 20 who's going to go, ooh, you know what movie I'm really hoping to see? Unless they're like hardcore Tom Brady fan are not going to be interested in seeing this. Like, Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda are not bringing the teenagers to this movie. It's just, that's just the, the reality of it. Uh, so, that's my review. I know it's kind of short, and there's not a whole lot to say about it, but if you're looking to watch it, you can rent it for $6 on Amazon and Vudu and Apple and all those, you know, places that if you want to get it directly to your TV, you can. You can also stream it for free on Paramount+. Plus. That's how I watched it, and I think you might be able starting this week or maybe as the last week you'll be able to get it from Redbox. So that's my review. I know it's not a it's not a raving review of this movie, but it's just I think it's a very honest one. And if you watch the trailer and you're like, I want to see that, then you're probably going to enjoy it. So that's my review for 80 for Brady. All right, finally, let's get to like the first big movie of the year. You know, maybe this is actually why you are tuning into this podcast right now to hear my thoughts on Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Now, this movie came out mid-February, February 17th, and has a PG-13 rating. This comes directly out of the MCU. I mean, if you don't know what the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is at this point, then um, you got a lot of catch-up to do. Uh, this is the third movie in the Ant-Man films, the 20-something film of the MCU, the first film of Phase 5. I mean, if any of those things matter to you, then um, you're going to already be clued in on that. But here's the synopsis. Scott Lang and Hope Van Dyne are dragged into the quantum realm along with Hope's planet or parents and Scott's daughter, Cassie. Together, they must find a way to escape. But what secrets is Hope's mother hiding and who is the mysterious king? This is directed by Peyton Reed, who is the director of the other two Ant-Man films, as well as some other movies. Oh, man, I know there's... You know which one I just randomly saw the other the day and he was he did he did a wonderful world of disney movie back in the 90s of the love bug with oh my gosh who is the guy from evil dead ash um oh my gosh i can't believe i'm blanking on his name in the moment this is what happens when you get me right in the moment anyway um just like a random thing i mean he was directing back then so peyton reed he's a great director but this movie stars you know, everybody that you already know, Paul Rudd, Evangeline Lilly, Michael Douglas, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Jonathan Majors, who is a new addition, which I know he's actually pretty controversial right now. He's he's being canceled. I don't know what's going to happen in regards to him moving forward within his acting career and in his role as Kang, who's supposed to be the next big bad of the MCU after Thanos. But I guess we'll just have to see how things pan out moving forward. I feel like they're going to be able to figure something out moving forward. Marvel and Kevin Feige and all them. But anyway, my thoughts of this movie. I came out of this movie very positive. I saw this in theaters and I really enjoyed it. I, one thing I got to say about the Ant-Man movies is, no pun intended, the scale of these films are much smaller than the previous movies in the MCU where with the Avengers or the Guardians of the Galaxy or Captain America, you felt the stakes were world-shaking, right? Um... But one thing I really loved about Ant-Man and then Ant-Man and the Wasp 
is that it was a very intimate story that's being told, really about family and dynamics of family and and uh, family trauma even to certain degrees. It just it felt like asking questions of what is it to be a father, what is it to be a mother, what is it to be a child to a parent, you know. And I liked that. There was kind of like a nice refreshing mint within a lot of stuff with the MCU and it brings a lot of comedy. You know, also they're heist films. So they're, they always have like MCU with these movies. They have kind of a through, a through line that's like, okay, this is MCU's version of a space opera, MCU's movie of a political thriller from the 70s. And, and this is obviously the heist film, the Ocean's Eleven-esque um, story. But what works with this one, and Peyton Reed has been on record to say what he really wanted with this movie, was to actually have an Avengers-level threat and stakes to it. And I kind of I kind of felt it. I really enjoyed this movie. I mean, there are some nitpickety things, but honestly, for me, I felt like this is actually my favorite Ant-Man movie. Um, not necessarily so much of what they even did with, with Paul Rudd's character of Ant-Man or Evangeline Lilly's character of the Wasp. But I'll tell you, you know, who really blew me away the most within this was Michelle Pfeiffer. Um, her story and everything that they do within it is actually really intriguing. And she brings a caliber of acting, which is really grounds this and really works with this. Um, Michael Douglas as well. It's kind of understated. He's kind of he takes the backseat in this movie more so than the other two movies that we've seen previously. And that's OK. But there's stuff that he's doing in this that really works for me. Um, but you know, the, the cool thing about this movie is they travel into the quantum realm, which is something that they've talked about in the previous movies. It's where, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer was stuck previously within the, um, previous movies that they had to save her out of the, you know, she plays the wife of Michael Douglas, um, and who has been lost to the quantum realm for forever. And so, I felt like the quantum realm was really interesting. For the first time watching this, I honestly, I could only equate it to that feeling that I had when I watched Star Wars for the first time. And that scene where Luke and Obi-Wan walk into the cantina and you see all these different aliens, I felt like the majority of this movie was that scene in the cantina. And it was really beautiful. I honestly like did not care about the quantum realm going into this movie. But then as I was watching it, I was really taken in by this world. I I feel like it was more Star Wars-y than Guardians of the Galaxy or the Thor movies. Like it really had some cool things going for it. And Jonathan Majors, I mean, say what you will. His performance was great, and it was just like, oh, this is going to be a taste. At the time, this is what we were thinking. This is going to be a taste of what we're going to get moving forward of this big bad, and he felt threatening and menacing, and I really dug it. I really liked it a lot. Um, I know there are some people who are like nitpicky about this movie, and primarily what they did with the character of MODOK, who's like one of the most like bonkers, bananas Marvel character that you can get. And, I mean, I did kind of feel like there's the CGI that they used specifically on him might have – could use a little bit more time. Um, but I like Corey Stoll as an actor. They brought him back from the first movie and kind of, you know, conflated two characters together to make MODOK. And, and um, I thought it was fine. I mean, I think some people were harshing on him and harshing on this movie more than it really deserved. 
Um, I did not, I have not loved phase four of Marvel for the most part. It's been very middle of the road or low for me, but you know, actually that'll be a conversation we'll have later. Um, probably in about a week. I'll tell you guys about that later, but I liked this movie. I really did. Um, in comparison to a lot of the stuff that we've seen recently from the MCU, this was actually pretty darn good. I liked it. And I thought it was really setting a stage of how things are going to be going moving forward. Um, this actually gave me a little bit more hope in the MCU. Um, and I kind of needed it at this point where I felt like things have kind of been going down for me. So what can, what can you do? What can, where can you find this? I don't think you can rent it from Redbox right now. I do recommend this movie. I mean, if you, the reality is, is if you like the MCU, you're watching this anyway. You've probably have already seen it in theaters. Um, but you can rent it from Amazon and Apple and Vudu and all those places for 20 bucks. Or no, you can buy it. It's not even rentable yet. Um, so I know, like, yikes. But it also will be on streaming for Disney Plus um, in two weeks starting May 17th, which is a Wednesday. Okay, so that is my review and my recommendation for Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Okay, now for something completely different. Um, We're going to talk about Cocaine Bear. This movie came out February 24th, along with the next movie we're going to talk about after this, and it was rated R. Uh, And the premise of the movie is an oddball group of cops, criminals, tourists, and teens converge on a Georgia forest where a huge black bear goes on a murderous rampage after unintentionally ingesting cocaine. It's the most ridiculous thing that you probably have ever heard as far as a movie premise, apart from, you know, you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch, and Winnie the Pooh, Honey and Blood, or whatever. These just, like, bonkers stuff stupid movies um yeah anyway this is directed by elizabeth bank and it banks and it stars um carrie russell aldrin enrich um o'shea jackson jr and the late ray Liotta. um so yeah i saw this like a week or so ago i rented it from redbox and it was just it's the kind of dumb that if, if this is what you're looking for, based on this, the readout of the premise or the trailer, then again, I guess similar to like 80 for Brady, like you're getting what you paid for. Um, it was very silly. I mean, this is like snakes on a plane level of film. You know, it's, it's animals gone amok, killing, and, you know, you have characters, characters who are there or just there to be mauled by a black bear that ingested all this cocaine that fell from a plane from drug lords and i guess this is based on a true story but the true story basically is that this bear got into cocaine and then died so obviously they didn't go on this murderous rampage i mean it's it's from elizabeth banks who's directing this who's been known to star in some pretty bombastic rated R stuff. I mean, the first thing I remember seeing her in when I was a teenager was 40-year-old virgin. She did Zack and Miri make a, a porno from Kevin Smith. And like, so, I mean, that's who we're talking about here is who's really, she's directing this and she's just trying to have a lot of fun. And I think the actors who are playing the roles of the characters in this movie 
they're having a lot of fun. It is bloody and gory and ridiculous and like limbs are going off over the place and heads are being ripped. And there's some scenes that are pretty crazy within this movie or you're you're watching it and you're kind of laughing about, over just how ridiculous of a film it is that you're watching. Um would I recommend this? I don't know. I I don't think so. I don't know if I would ever watch it again. I mean, who would I recommend this to? Well, I'd recommend it to the target audience that's kind of within the title of the movie. I mean, maybe not cocaine users, but maybe some people who use recreational drugs that are out there. You might find this to be the most hysterical thing that you'll watch ever. Um, Is it for me? Nah, not really. Um, It just, I just don't think it really works for me as far as the ridiculous stuff that I like to watch, just laugh out at and just like get behind. Um, so it's a, it's a, it's a soft no, (laughs) you know, like I think if you are anticipating this and you're, you're wanting to watch it with a bunch of people like in your living room and just laugh out loud and, and comment and talk about the movie as you watch it, then you're going to probably have a good time. And it's just, yeah, it's a, it's a no for me. And I had to check after watching this movie because I had to make sure that this was not Ray Liotta's last movie before he passed. Because if it was, I mean, this is the guy who who is in Goodfellas, for crying out loud. Like, one of the most important movies from the 90s. And I was like, and this is how his career is going to end with this? I am just so happy to see that he is not, um, this is not his last movie. All right, so if you're looking to watch this, you can rent it from Redbox for about three bucks, um, and you can also stream it on Peacock Premium if you are subscribed to that. That is where you're going to be able to watch Cocaine Bear. Okay, and now for my final review, it's going to be on the movie Jesus Revolution. This movie came out also February 24th, the same weekend as Cocaine Bear. Um, As you know... I am a campus minister. I mentioned this before. And so it's so funny because when I went to go see this movie, I went with a bunch of my college students who are part of my ministry um, that I help lead. And it's just so funny because, you know, coming into the movie theater with a bunch of college students, uh, a lot of people who are working there, actually the movie theater that I used to work at a number of years ago, they were like, are you guys seeing Cocaine Bear? It's just like, no. We're going to go see Jesus Revolution. I think that was just pretty funny. This movie is um, rated PG-13, and the synopsis is it's a true story of a national spiritual awakening in the early 1970s and its origins within a community of teenage hippies in Southern California. This is all based on a true story. It's the the Jesus Revolution. The um, It's so funny. I got friends. My coworker who works um, with me, who has been doing campus ministry for 45-some-odd years, he has he came out of the Jesus movement of the seventies, so it was cool watching this with him and having him comment on certain things about this movie. But I'm not going to bury the lead. I liked this movie, and obviously, I have an added interest to the story and what it's trying to relay at being a Christian. But I, I will say that I don't just like it because I'm a Christian. I think, honestly, man, going years back, some of the worst media that I've ever seen has come out of Christian movie media companies. And with this and with things like The Chosen, which 
honestly, the, the one of the stars of this does play Jesus and the Chosen. Um, there's been a greater quality being done. You know, there it's not just like very safe. I mean, this is a PG-13 movie and there are some moments within this and just some of the themes and some of the the issues that it tackles which are, are not for all audiences. I really like this because I I got to see a part of history which has really shaped a lot of my world um being in ministry today. Kelsey Grammer is great in this role as as a church leader in this kind of stodgy ministry that he he doesn't really know what to do and what to make of the the hippie movement that is literally just happening on the news all over the place. Don't mind my dog. She's here with me right now. She's sneezing up a storm for some reason. But um yeah, and so Kelsey Grammer is great in the role. Um actually Kelsey Grammer lives kind of in our area. My wife got to meet him a a few years ago before we got married and he got to wish her, you know, happy or happy marriage or, you know, congratulations. And we have, she has a picture with him and we're big fans of Frasier. So that was kind of just an added bonus. Anyway, he's great in this. Um, and it's basically about how he, as this pastor befriends this Christian pastor from the hippie movement. Um, I'm forgetting his name. He had kind of a fun, funny name, but he, um, he was a real person. The, all these people are, I'm trying to look it up on IMDB as I'm talking here. Um, and together they formed this partnership to reach out and minister to hippies. And, um, from this comes the main character played by Joel Courtney and his love interest played by Anna Grace Barlow. And they they kind of come up through this hippie movement, this this subversive kind of culture within hippie culture. And it really captures – oh, the character's name was Lonnie Frisbee, who is real, um, who is the hippie pastor. Anyway, um, it just – it really it, – it tackles some really interesting stuff. And, you know, this Lonnie Frisbee character, you could kind of really – make him such an idealistic version of reality. But what we see here, you know, this kind of hero who kind of opens the eyes of this stodgy priest who, you know, is trying to, you know, still be effective within his community. Um, he honestly, Lonnie Frisbee has some issues that he has to go through himself, that he has to find growth in. There's moments where he's, really trying to force things to happen, you know, through the spirit, um, you could say. And it, it, it's going beyond gifting or leading of, of God. And it's, he's, it's somebody who's almost starting to buy into their own hype. But I just, I found that to be really honest and really earnest. And it was, it was well done. I enjoyed this movie. Um, for my recommendation of it, I mean, if you're a Christian, I would say it's worth watching. If you're not a Christian and you're interested in some of the scenarios, there's a beautiful scene where Kelsey Grammer is welcoming um, hippies into his church, and he and he does so in a manner of service that I it had me in tears. So 
it's it's worth watching. So if you're an unbeliever, if you're not a Christian, is it worth watching? I would say so. I think it's worth watching. I I really hope everybody finds enjoyment from this movie. I just I do know it's not going to be for everybody though. So that's a high recommendation, but one in which is I would say you know be aware of what you're going into as you're watching this. My dog is going crazy right now. But anyway, at any rate, that is my review of Jesus Revolution. All right, everyone. Um, And with that, that is my first episode of the Summer Pete Show. I know it might have not been like the most exciting, most riveting thing in regards to movie reviews quite yet. But I got to tell you, there's some really great stuff coming down the pike here as we get further and further into summer. I mean, we're not really into the summer movie season yet. That usually kicks off with the Memorial Day weekend. But I'll tell you what, actually, that I feel like it is getting earlier and earlier. And let me just give you a little bit of a snippet on what you have to look forward to this week. On Thursday morning, I am looking to give you guys a little bit of a retrospect of movies that are celebrating some kind of anniversary this week. And maybe talk about something else that might be on my mind. Maybe some recommendation that I've been interested in and I just I feel like is worth talking about. So I will do that on Thursday. On Saturday, you're going to get my review of like the first big movie release of the summer season Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. So that's something to look forward to. And then on next week's show on Tuesday, I'm going to release an episode and I'm hoping I can pull in a guest to talk to me about this, but we're going to be discussing or maybe I will be discussing our thoughts on Phase 4 of the MCU. Now that we're into Phase 5, to look back and to say how we feel like Marvel has done in this last phase that they just finished up with ending with Black Panther Wakanda forever. So those are some great things to look forward to. You know, a look back at movies from the past, a review for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, and then a big conversation around the topic of the MCU. So I hope you guys stick with it. I hope you enjoyed this episode. We got some great stuff coming, and I hope to see you again at the Summer Pete Show. All right, bye-bye.